Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Believe in Everything Auburn is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. You can get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That is B L E A V. Bet online where the game starts. Campbell in the end zone. Caught. Touchdown, Honor. Touchdown, Honor. Nothing but green grass ahead of him. Hard as they're going to try, they're not keeping this one off this field tonight. 100 yards. Can you believe it? I still can't believe it. Now presenting Believe in Everything Auburn with your hosts, Taylor Davis and Jason Campbell. War Eagle, everybody. Welcome back to Believe in Everything Auburn. I'm Taylor Davis, joined as always by the legend himself, Jason Campbell, here to break down everything around Auburn athletics. Hope you had a good week, everybody. Summer is dwindling down. We are into August. Fall camp is upon us, and season is inching closer and closer, which is exciting, but also crazy. I looked at my (laughs) calendar the other day, and I was like, we are well over the halfway point of 2023, and I've got some work to do on my vision board that I made at the beginning of the year. So it is definitely passing quickly, but good times ahead for the Tigers. So welcome in, everybody. We're happy that you have joined us. Jay Cam in the house, back in Atlanta. I see. I can always tell by your different backdrops <laughs> where you are. So back in, back in Atlanta. But you were down on the plains for a little while. Are, are you going to go back? Oh, yeah, definitely want to go back. Uh, I got to go back and check out this quarterback competition, you know, see what's happening. Uh, you know, also, I've been hearing a lot of noise out of camp with the receiving core has even making some outstanding catches. Uh, yeah. Some of our new guys have shown up. Uh, so that's a deep, deep room. It's going to be interesting to see who really gets on the field in those first couple of games and who's pushing for those star positions. Um, mm-hmm. You know, right now, I know Camden Brown is in one of them. Jay Fair is in one of them and Nick Martiner. So, but you got to stay tuned because you just never know. Camp is a long time in the season and we still have about three and a half weeks. And for me, I've actually been watching past college games. Uh, Not just, uh, not just kind of highlighting, you know, things that, you know, when I play, but, I also wanted to hear Stan. <laughs> I want to hear Stan and uh, you know and Andy call games. Oh, you're so, you know, I kind of yeah. So I kind of wanted to see like, okay, what was their flow like? Uh, how did they feed off each other? Of course, I got to do it in my own way, but it's still good to like kind of study timing. Yeah, predecessors and timing and how those things come to play. So for me, it's been it's been study time. Yep. And uh, in prep time. So, you know, I'm uh, gearing up for this 2023 season and it'll be here for you know it. And like I said, uh, you know, it's exciting time. How crazy. Welcome to my world. You're on my side of things now. And the <laughs> prep is extensive. I don't think people realize what all goes into it. So I love that you're diving in already. And yeah, absolutely. Fall camp has certainly had some exciting 
news and notes out of it already. Um, we'll run through a few right now, but the wide receiver group probably getting the most praise so far. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just such a stark contrast from the past few years, because that's been the group that we've had so many question marks or lack of depth or lack of experience. And now you look at it this year and, and you've got a list of guys that have played at a high level and are already showcasing that ability in fall camp. Right. But they got to get it from somebody. And obviously the quarterback battle continues to heat up. It really does sound like, though, what we've known about Holden from the jump is just his very natural pass ability. It just seems to come very naturally for him. The few clips that I've seen and videos that the social media team has has put out of him, it's a pretty ball. He's got a pretty release and good mechanics. And, and so it just does kind of make you wonder, is this kid more in the fold than we think he is? I would say this. I hear a lot of things that he's doing very well. And I actually saw Holden when I was down there right before I got ready to, to leave. And, you know, he was coming in to do some of his NIA requirements and everything and he got a chance to just say hello. He's a he's a big dude as well. He People is. don't realize how big he is. He's an SEC-style quarterback from a size standpoint. Yeah. I think the only thing he has going against him is he lacks experience versus the other two guys. You know, mm -hmm. when you get a head coach like Coach Freeze coming to the SEC – how comfortable will he be putting Holden out there as the starter if he was to earn a job in camp? Uh, you know, it's, it's one thing to earn it in camp, but it's another thing to to go out there and play in front of 87,000 people. Sure. Uh, so it's just – I think early in some of these games, is Auburn's able to get leads depending on where he falls. I think they do try to find a way to get him in some games just to start getting some experience, you know, just yeah. to see how he will react in a game like environment. And, you know, you just never know until, until that happens. But I think he's positioning himself to show these coaches like, Hey, I belong in this conversation. And for him, that's all you can ask for because as a quarterback, you always got to stay locked and ready. You know, you're always one injury away or you're always just don't know how things are going to unfold. And I still think with Peyton Thorne, he's a guy that's been a, a, a a two-time starter at Michigan State. He's played in a lot of games. He has experience. Uh, Robbie has the next amount of experience and probably the most athletic. But what sets these guys apart is, you know, everyone talks about Thorne, his preciseness, his leadership, and the way he delivers the ball. Everybody talks about Robbie's athleticism. He's gotten better in his short passing game. Can need to continue to work on consistency. Uh, yeah. When it comes to, you know, holding, everyone just talks about how he throws a pretty ball in tight windows. You know, mm -hmm. and that's what that's that's pro quarterbacking where you can fit balls in tight windows. So yeah. it's going to be interesting to see how this happens. But when has when the last time we've ever been able to talk about three quarterbacks that you feel like you can put on the field and play in the same year at Auburn? A few quotes that have come out specifically in regards to the quarterback battle. Uh, we still have a long way to go before we figure out who is our starting quarterback. All of them have shown flashes so far. Uh, Robbie has thrown the ball better this fall camp. He's been a little more consistent on his underneath stuff. That's an area where he wants to improve. He's got a big arm. It's just about his consistency, which is definitely something that he alluded to on our episode last week. If you didn't catch that, we did have Robbie Ashford on last week. 
really impressed by him. He gave, gave some great insight on his personal game and, and what he's been focused on heading into fall camp. So if you missed that, make sure you go back. But that kind of ties in with what he was saying he was working on. Uh, in regards to Holden, offensive coordinator Philip Montgomery said he's a natural thrower. The ball just zips off his hand. He spins it tight. He fits it into small windows. And with Peyton Thorne, you want to talk about a guy who's professional with how he goes about his work. You've got to run him out of the building. He's always watching tape. He wants to be on top of every detail that's involved in our offense. And look, that's as big of a piece of this as anything because he's coming in so last minute. So his his studying, his prep time, his investment in scheme system personnel, that's probably going to be his biggest piece of this thing. And that's where Robbie could jump him pretty easily. But it sounds like Holden could pass them in the passing aspect. So it really does <laughs> seem like it's so evenly distributed right now, which is yeah. going to make it tough for this coaching staff oh yeah it's definitely gonna be a tough decision but it's a good decision i think everything earns itself out once the season gets here uh when you're talking about you know our first game against umass if we do what we're supposed to do then you may get a chance to see three guys uh it's hard to play three guys in the game but you know then you get the cow game but then you come back against sanford and that may be another opportunity just to see what some guys can do but we've got to hold in on that position by the time we play georgia i just don't think you can play more than you know two quarterbacks against georgia you know if one's a starter you know, for example, if Thorne's a starter, then Robbie can still have packages because he can yeah. present some problems to to their defense to to from overflowing. Um, mm-hmm. I think if if Robbie's a starter, I don't really know where where Gurner, I mean Gurner or Thorne falls in. You know, uh, so that's another scenario. And then if Holden's a starter, now I don't really know where. You know, Robbie still could probably get action because he can still, because he's athletic, he can still get into some packages. But where does where does that do for Peyton Thorne? You know, uh, it just find it just finds me. I find it hard to believe that if a kid leaves a school that he's been a starter at for two years to go to another school and not see the field, I just don't think rationally. You know, from person to person, being in this business how much sense that would have made. It had to have been some type of conversation that, hey, you have a legitimate shot to come here and be a starter, you know, or and everything. So I would think that Thorne is going to be in this competition. And uh, I, I just think Holden, he's the guy that got to play catch up. Mm-hmm. You know, Thorne's the guy that got to learn everything. Like I say, Robert beats him in that aspect because he had a whole spring to go through. So he's got to play catch up from the book standpoint. Right. Holden's got to play catch up because no one knows, you know, so he's really got to like do some astounding things in practice to just make eyes just really open and say, Hey, right. we need to really check this kid out. So it's a lot of different scenarios going on right there, but either way it go, they're going to be playing behind a great offensive line this year. This is probably one of our better offensive lines in the last four or five years. So I'm excited to see them and these running backs is going to be running the ball behind them. Definitely. We even added a recent addition out of Northwestern as well after all of that controversy. So this offensive line continues to be a point of emphasis for this coaching staff. And I think whoever is under center is going to benefit from those efforts. And they're also going to benefit from the beefing up of up of the wide receiver room. And like you kind of alluded to at the beginning, Caleb Burton really getting a lot of praise from the coaching staff. He's actually been a prominent 
receiver in the clips that have been released yeah. uh, by social media. So expecting big big things from him and the rest of the those guys as they develop that chemistry with all of those quarterbacks and hopefully getting into a rhythm with all of them. Um, as far as running back goes, quote came out that they anticipate running back is going to be more by committee this year. Uh, and obviously questions still surround Jarquez Hunter and his availability. He has been with the team, but not participating in practice as fall camp has unfolded thus far. Uh, we have seen and heard this morning that he is dressed out today, and that would be the first time that he is in pads and out there with the guys. So we'll see if any clips or coverage come out of that as media gets access to it. But um, that's going to be a sticky situation, Jay, because I think that that's – luckily, we have – really beefed up that running back room already. You've got guys like Damari Alston. You've got guys like Brian Batie. And and you feel confident about, you know, a lot of those guys. Jeremiah Cobb, Robbie Ashford yeah. pointed him out last week. So you feel good, but, like, Jarquez is expected to be the guy. Jarquez is <laughs> not just for the running back room, for the offense. You and I had him on the show this past summer, and, I mean, he just seemed like a kid who – had his head down and and had his focus on improving so much this year. He had lofty goals even a few months ago. So for this to kind of be the cloud that is inevitably going to follow him a little bit and more questions and speculation will come until we know exactly his availability. Will he be out there week one, two, three? Who knows? And how many reps will he get? Will the coaching staff kind of have, you know, their own individual punishment for him that maybe he's available, but they don't utilize him much? Like there's just that's going to be a part of the narrative, at least to start the season. And, and I do hate that. Oh, yeah, most definitely. It's a uh, cloud that everyone wants to kind of, you know, move out. Uh, yeah. Get out from under. Uh, you, you like Jarquez is a really good guy. Uh, just got himself caught up in a bad situation, and you know it's something that I've talked to him about. He's learned a lot from it. Unfortunately, like he said, you know you hate to have to learn a lesson through something like that. But there are consequences you know, for decisions. Yeah. That's life. Yeah. So he was just like, you know, I, I've I've learned a lot from that about you know my surroundings. Mm -hmm. Also, like you know. You know, making sure I don't get caught up and check some of my decisions and different things like that and and right. and, and and not put myself in that type of scenario. But exactly. so I think he's learned a, a lot. It's just, you know, when you're a high price athlete like he is, you know, this projected to be, you know, first team, second team, all SEC and projected to be a, you know, a first day draft pick. You know, yeah. there's a lot of noise that's going to surround you in a situation like this. And I think for him, it's more going to be more it's going to be more about mentally how he's able to handle a lot of this early yeah. on, uh, because he's going to get bombarded with a lot of questions early on. And if he's able to answer those uh, quickly and, and kind of get that behind him so he can kind of focus back on the field and focus back on, you know, his life journey and not let this be something that set him completely back but right. be something that he can mature from, then I think he can he can come out of this on the other side, uh, have learned a lot and matured a lot, and at the same time, proven to other guys, you know, even though I was away from you guys and I miss you, I didn't forget the ultimate goal. I was mm -hmm. busting my tail. I was working hard and everything. And, you know, I'm going to show you guys who I am. You won't have to – I don't have to tell you. I'm just going to show you, you know, and right. don't – don't don't judge me off a, a bad decision or a bad mistake that I've made in my life. You know, that's 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 one that's mm -hmm. not that's that's I'm going to move on from.
Yeah. No, it'll definitely be uh, all about how he handles it. And for a guy like him, he certainly can put enough product out on the field that that's what people want to talk about. But I do, you know, from a coaching perspective, you do have to be a little strategic about how you handle it because that is going to potentially be the talking point surrounding him, at least for the first few weeks. I mean, it's a, it's a storyline and it's a prominent storyline because he is one of our biggest names. He was expected to be such a cowbell with a, a lot of the other guys getting settled in and, and the quarterback questions. And so I you even wonder if the coaches kind of restrict him from media access the first few weeks, knowing that that's likely what's going to be talked about. So we will certainly keep our eyes on that. Uh, they have the first preseason scrimmage in Jordan Hare coming up. So they'll lead up to that, start getting more you know, situational practices, game type scenarios as best as they can without the season <laughs> ticket sold out crowd. Um, so we will definitely continue to see how all of this unfolds. This coaching staff also landed another recruit. It kind of slid by the wayside because all of the news out of fall camp. Four-star defensive back to Lewis Solomon has also committed to the Tigers. So racking them up. We love to see it. Uh, but this is going to be just a really quick touch base episode. So before we wrap it up, probably the last 10 minutes or so here, we got to talk about conference realignment because it <laughs> has gone. I, I mean, what are we doing? What are we doing? It, it has gone rampant the past few days and it has just like all hell has broken loose. And I am, I am confused. I'm a, a little disappointed as someone who loves tradition and arguably struggles with change. Um, but I, I agree with several of the coaches that have come out. Obviously, Eli Drinkwitz was one of the first Lane Kiffin has agreed with him. Jimbo Fisher has talked about it. And the biggest conversation doesn't have to do with football. And I think everyone's forgetting that, that all of this conference shift and these schedule implications for a Saturday for five months out of the year and the athletic groups that have majority of the funding from the university, this is okay. This is doable. This is not honestly not easy anymore when you've got former Pac-12 schools now having to travel all the way to the East Coast and it is going to affect their travel fan base, but we'll make do and football is football. What does this mean for weekday volleyball and, and yeah. soccer? And they're going to play in front of very few of their fans, their, their parents, their family. Like, have we thought about every student athlete that's on this campus or are we strictly prioritizing television rights for football season? That is absolutely what is happening here. And now it is just absolute chaos. I, I really hate where this is going. Yeah, he just made I watched this on uh, TV this morning myself. And I was like I said, Coach Eli, I heard Coach Saban, Coach Lane uh, talk about it. And the whole take from this is it's like you said, are we prioritizing football over all the other sports? Because, yeah. yes, football is the biggest draw on campus. It feeds all the other sports, uh, you know, from a from a financial standpoint. But also you can't forget about what you just said, which is very important, like. There's volleyball games, baseball games, softball games, you know, that people play during the week. And it's not easy for for these young kids to get on the plane and fly all the way from California to the East Coast to play a volleyball game or a softball game or baseball and then get back to the West Coast and then be ready to go to class and study as well. You know, there's 
and, and everything. And then you talk about football is a little easier because you got a whole week to prepare. You can look at yeah. the schedule. You can go ahead and book flights and different things. But when it comes to these other sports and basketball and all those type of things, look how Auburn traveled out to California last year for a game. But it was – on a weekend, you know, like you're talking about playing games where now teams are in conferences where teams are leaving the pack, the pack 10 and now going to the big 12, which is not a huge geographically uh, difference because they're still that way. But some of them have left and gone to the big 10. Now that's a huge geographic, like I don't understand that. And even when it yeah. comes to, I'm up here thinking about dang the cow game, we got to travel all the way to California you know, and everything. Imagine if that's your yearly schedule every year. And well, you have a sport that. that has multiple games a week, like basketball. Right. Yeah. And you having to do that. So we're not even thinking about what it's doing to the student athletes from a no. studying standpoint. Is education even involved anymore? You I know, don't think so. college sports is just completely its own entity, its own business. And you getting a degree is like a, a requirement, not right. a benefit anymore. Yeah, so I'm just asking myself, where is education going? Is it even important? Uh, everything seems to be about the dollar. I will agree with uh, uh, Texas A&M coach, uh, Coach Jimbo, mm-hmm. on that one. Uh, it does seem to be trending that way where, yeah. you know, things are about our kids making decisions based off how much NIL money they're getting. Uh, you're talking about high school kids that are going into college, so you really haven't even seen, like, what their transition is going to be like. And then are they going to develop? You know, I was looking at this thing the other day about how many five stars actually develop in college into those big time players that go on to the National Football League. It's not many. It is very, very few. There's more three stars and four stars that develop more than five stars that goes on to the National Football League. So, you know, it's it's a lot that you have to dissect and, and everything. But have we lost the heart of college football and college sports? Is it becoming to be too much about the money and not more about, you know, what's good for the kids, what's good for the student athletes, what's good for the families. They got to travel. Like coach Eli said, I'm used to looking up in the stands and finding my family. Right. I can't do that. If I got to travel all the way East coast, West coast, and then expecting my wife to travel with our little ones. And I'm sitting up there mm-hmm. to look at them and say, hey, you know, where I used to be able to do that, I can't do that anymore. So right. think about the players' families. Who can afford this all the time? So, yes, they're going to want more NIL deals because right. they're going to want to travel. Exactly. <laughs> so, it just it all snowballs. And this is what happens when you play with fire, you get burned. And we dove into this head first without so many things figured out, starting with NIL, transfer portal. Now conference realignment was like a few here and there. And then it was uh, the freaking levees broke and and no one was prepared. Even the powers that be don't know how, how we're all equipped for this much change at the same time. And your product is going to suffer. College athletics are going to suffer. We cannot treat these as professional leagues. They are not professional leagues. They are academic institutions that provide sports for the experience of their students. That's what it was supposed to be. And and we've allowed this this greed and this need for more to override the logic in some of these decisions. And I think that logic has been thrown out of the window here. And everyone wants to be ahead of the curve and not get left behind. So I think they're diving in without really knowing how 
we can make this all happen. So the biggest news this past week, Oregon and Washington now go to the Big Ten. Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah now go to the Big 12. Colorado also is now in the Big 12. So the Big Ten is now at 18 teams for 2024. And then the Big 12 and SEC will both have 16. The Pac-12 and ACC know that they need a life raft. The ACC is scheduled to be meeting today. Another thing with the ACC, their TV rights are... 13-year deals. So they literally are under their current money structure (laughs) until 2036. So staying until then doesn't seem an option, but the buyout will absolutely have to be negotiated, which is what Oklahoma and Texas did to get into the SEC sooner than they were supposed to. But I mean, y'all, why, why is this what we're talking about a month before kickoff? This this is just absolute insanity. I think the product is going to suffer. The student-athlete experience is going to be really challenging. I mean, one of the highest you know reasons for the mental health implications of student-athletes mm. are quoted. If you do your research, it says, lack of sleep and stress. Mm. How much are we about to add to that by making them travel cross-country every week? I'm sorry. Yeah. I just... I think that some things are bigger than whatever kind of business conglomerate you want to be because we're going to make all these mega conferences. And if we're going to, geography should come into play. Yeah, and it's almost like they're separating athletics from education. Uh, And the reason I say that is because you can't tell me that you can send an athlete cross country on two different games that they got to fly four and a half hours and expect them to come back and write a five-page, ten-page paper. They got to be turned in class on Monday. Like... Come on, you know, then no all right, and then you want to get mad if their GPA is falling. It's a reason their GPAs are falling. You know, mm-hmm. you 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 you're putting a lot on them now as far as like because I really think they're trying to get the four major conferences. I really do. I, I think that's what they're trying to do. I think a lot of the playoff implications have uh has a lot of drawn to this. Yes. I, I think that's where it kind of started at, if we want to say it. Um, and then I think the smaller schools will keep their smaller conferences, which they will kind of align until maybe a group of four or a group of five type right. of conferences where they will have special bowl games and everything. But the playoff implication has started this. Let's get the four major conferences. Yes, because now the strength of schedule element, which is definitely part of the committee's decision. I'm so sorry to the ACC and Pac-12, but you're automatically going to be thought of as less now because you look at 18 teams in the Big Ten, which is obviously stacked, and they're not adding, you know, slouch schools. I mean, they're adding Oregon and Washington. That's very (laughs) impressive. And then the Big 12 obviously is building. And the SEC, we know what the SEC is. No need to even talk about it. So if you're the ACC, if you're not Florida State and Clemson, no one's batting an eyelash at you. It doesn't matter how impressive your season was. The Pac-12 is the exact same thing. The Pac-12 is practically non-existent. Their biggest brands are now gone. So these conferences are going to, these schools are going to look at this and go, we have no choice if we want to continue to keep our football programs afloat and have any chance of making it to postseason we have to follow suit we have to join in in all of this chaos but again we're making these decisions solely based on football the rest of the year the rest of the programs those are the athletes that are going to have a much harder time with this and i think those sports are actually the ones that need the better growth anyway well, the one thing that could save the ACC, the basketball saves them because everyone watches their basketball. But the last thing is Notre Dame, if they was to go to the ACC, they would help them. 
But they're I just talking don't. Big Ten. They're talking Big Ten. So it's going to get wild. We'll find out a lot. It's going to be an interesting college football season. It's going to be a lot of new faces in a lot of new places. Uh, you know, a lot of ESPN layoffs. Uh, you know, so TV is going to look totally different this year. Games are going to look totally different this year. But hey, Y'all. football season is here. It's always some type of noise to get everyone antennas going and riled up. So let's see what happens. Well, that's the thing. This this season is essentially going to be the last one as we know it. The SEC with divisions yeah. and without the the changing of these schools. This is kind of the last hoorah before it all shifts a great deal and likely more to come. So everybody just hold on to your seats. But I just think it's important to have these conversations because like the coaches have alluded we're not thinking about everyone here and we're doing a lot of people a disservice by not considering everyone. So I don't know y'all we'll see what the heck happens, but uh, Jason and I will keep you posted on all of it. More fall camp news sure to come out. So make sure you come on back next week and we'll get you with all the updates. And as fall camp rolls down and season ramps up, we'll get a few more interviews, some guests on here for you probably some big ones. So make sure you stay tuned as we get closer and closer to season. And we hope everyone has a fantastic week. Make sure you subscribe if you have not already, and you'll get a notification every time we release an episode. We're also on YouTube every week. So if you prefer to watch, you can find us there. And until we talk again, have a safe and happy and healthy week. And War Eagle. War Eagle. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.